Hey now, we are getting over and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times that, uh, with a special edition of your favorite professional wrestling podcast. That's right, Getting Over is back once again, this time with a little bit of an unplanned episode because not only are we going to break down everything that happened this week in NXT one day earlier than usual, but the Silver King is thrilled to announce that SmackDown superstar, former NXT women's champion, two-time NXT women's tag team champion, Raquel Rodriguez is joining the show as well for the very first time. It was so great to speak to Raquel just a couple months into her debut on SmackDown, of course, coming out of a long time in NXT. And I didn't want to wait to present this interview to you next week. I just wanted to make sure we published it as soon as possible. So you will get that from getting over in a moment, but it would not be an episode of this show if I did not remind you off the top that the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast So please do not forget to head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave a five-star rating on Apple. Also leave a review. Let everyone know how much you love the show why you subscribe, and why they should subscribe as well. Those reviews, those ratings are so important, helping us grow. We get contacts from people, potential sponsors, more listeners, and then we can do more fun stuff for you getting over heads. Also, please do not forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast, where we first release every brand new episode. And of course, we also talk about wrestling all week long, Raw, SmackDown, Uh, Dynamite, Rampage, NXT, everything in between. Uh, Today's show, uh, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to format it. First, we are going to get into our interview with Raquel Rodriguez. Then we are going to break down everything that happened this week on NXT. And the Silver King is actually going to wrap up with a couple thoughts about NXT UK, which is not something we have covered that much on the show to this point, but it is something that I personally am trying to get back into because the way I've kind of... Uh, looked at NXT these days since the transition to 2.0 is NXT UK is by far the closest to the old black and gold NXT that we all knew and loved so much. And it's not certainly exactly the same. Uh, And there's the characters are, of course, different because it is the UK product. Uh, But there is a lot of top tier wrestling on those shows, some of which I got to experience throughout this week. Don't forget there are timestamps in the episode description. So if you need to bounce around between the interview, between the NXT coverage, just check the episode description. All of those times are there, but let's not waste any time. Let's welcome in for the first time, Raquel Rodriguez. Thrilled to welcome Raquel Rodriguez to the show for the first time. You can catch Raquel every Friday on SmackDown airing live at 8 p.m. Eastern on Fox. And she may even make her WWE premium live event debut at Money in the Bank. We will see on July 2nd from Las Vegas. I guess we will have to find out about that. Raquel, so nice to meet you for the first time. Thanks for making the time to do this. Yeah, thank you for having me, Adam. It's really nice to meet you, too. And I'm excited to talk a little bit about SmackDown and maybe Money in the Bank. I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) We will see. We will see. So you have been on what they call, what some people call the main roster for two and a half months now. And... Though I know it kind of took a few weeks for you to kind of get in the ring and do your thing. What has this transition been like for you so far, both on the screen and off the screen, beginning to travel a lot more than you had been? 
It's it's been really cool. I, I will say that much, and I really like. I, I have no complaints at all because this is something that I've been working up to for years. You know, I started the PC back in 2016, and it was something that we already knew what the lifestyle was going to be like. We already knew there was a lot of traveling involved. You're just going to be busy, 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 nonstop. And so I have literally just been training and putting all my time and my patience and my and my work into what I do in the ring and my performance so that I could deliver a fully developed product to the main roster whenever it is that my time was going to come. Because really, that's what it is. You can be ready as much as you think you are, but it's not up to you. It's up to, of course, the writers and what's happening and, and where they can fit you in. And that's how they get you um, going and rolling. And so I really can't complain because the transition has been amazing to me. I've already met so many amazing people in the company and outside of the company. I've gotten to have all these amazing experiences in just less than, I think, like a month and a half, two mm-hmm. months. Um, so it's it's been really awesome to be put in this position where there is a lot of pressure. Um, they, they do kind of tell you that, you know, that pressure comes with, of course, the responsibility of being in this position, but I love feeding off the of pressure and I love working off the of pressure. And I feel like it fuels me and it makes me want more. And so that's where I'm at right now is I just, I'm so hungry right now. And then I'm just getting started. That I'm just like, more, 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 more. <laughs> how, how difficult is it when you're in that position? And, and, you know, you did some independent work, of course, before coming to the performance center, but you're at the performance center, you're working your way up. You start making it on TV. You start finding success. You're the NXT women's champion and you're at the top of the card and everything's going great. And you're like, so where's this, where's this call up? Uh, what's, what's happening here? How difficult is it? Maybe not just for you, but for everyone to kind of, feel like you've, you've reached that spot. You're hitting all the marks that they want you to, to hit both in the ring, on the mic, doing all these things, but you're not getting that call up yet. Does it kind of eat away at you? Or are you concerned that there's something that you're not doing that they're looking for? Or does, does everyone around NXT, you know, previously Triple H, but Shawn Michaels, everyone there, do that, do they kind of keep you grounded? Yes. To all of it. Honestly, it's, it's a bit of everything really, because you do have to be mentally tough in this type of position because it's not an easy job. It's not, I mean, if it was easy, everyone would do it. Right. But it's, it's pretty much taking the good with the bad because you're going to get told no a lot. You're going to get told you have to change this a lot. And it's how Mm -hmm. you roll with the punches really. And, and yes, I do have people at the PC. Of course, my coaches, Triple H, Shawn Michaels who are consistently, you know, letting me know and confirming that what I'm doing is good and, and that I'm on the right track and that, you know, if I do need to change anything, they're willing to kind of like sit down and talk with me and, and let's see how we can develop the character more. Um, so it's really nice to have all of those people kind of, you know, having my back when it comes to anything in this position, but it, it definitely is a lot of mental struggle. It definitely takes a toll on you mentally. Um, but you just, you can't let that ground you. You have to keep going. You have to keep pushing. You have to remember what's important. You have to remember your health. And I think that's something that's really helped me is that I started to focus on things that I can control. And what I can control is my diet, my exercise, what I'm doing daily, who I'm talking to daily, you know, the people that I'm surrounding myself with, are they positive influences? Are they negative influences? Um, Do they make me feel good about myself? Because it's such a hard, you know, everybody has their critiques and everyone has their opinions. And when you're in the center of all of it, it's really, really tough. And like I said, it's mentally tough on anyone when you're, people are taking jabs at your confidence. Um, but it's about the people that who, who you surround yourself with, because those are the opinions that matter. And it's your opinion that matters the most too about yourself. And so I, I think if you can focus on that and try and control that daily and have, you know, something that keeps you, you, then I think you'd be completely fine. And 
And you just start to learn to really enjoy the little things, mm -hmm. um, the little moments, like getting to have these interviews and talk about main events and, and SmackDown and live events and Vegas and money in the bank. And to even know that all of those things are a possibility, that's just like, ah, you know, I immediately think <laughs> about it being a possibility. One of um, the great moments that did not involve you fighting anyone uh, in NXT was when Bianca Belair and Rhea Ripley both kind of came out and you three were able to celebrate being champions, holding up your, your titles together about, I think it was April, 2021. Yeah. What was that moment like for you? And I've always wondered, have you three privately off screen ever discussed kind of being that almost next era of woman in WWE, almost like the new class taking the reins from the four horsewomen that obviously did so much before you? You know, we never really like sat down all three of us and kind of talked about it or discussed it. I think it's just been kind of um, a general consensus with us three. And because we started pretty, pretty close in time at the PC together, we, you know, we gave each other friendly competition all the time because of course Bianca is so strong. Rhea is so strong and it pushed me to want to get past my limits and do more and do more and do more. And so having that moment back in April in 2021, it was, it was really, really, really awesome, especially for me, because I think I started to bloom a little bit later than, than Bianca and then Rhea did. Mm -hmm. And so I, I always felt like I was just a little bit left behind, but being able to have that moment with them, being able to be in the present moment with them and be considered as part of the new era, because this isn't the first time we've heard about it. You know, it's something that's been popping up. It's, mm -hmm. I'm so gracious. I'm grateful. I'm excited about it, about the possibilities that we have and being these three strong powerhouse women just taking over the women's roster. And it's, it's amazing because we're so completely different, all three of us, but at the same time, we have the same type of goals and we still give each other that friendly competition that I think is necessary in any sport. Obviously your, your father, of course, Rick Gonzalez, Desperado uh, was an influence on your wrestling career. But when you made that final decision to start training after college, who were some of the wrestlers that, really truly motivated you to get into wrestling people that you were watching that you said what they're doing is what I want to do. Yeah, when I was growing up, I was really, really a huge fan of Beth Phoenix. I thought she was beautiful Beth Phoenix in China. And I, and I say to both of them um, because of the obvious reasons that they were these big, strong, beautiful women. And I say big with love because I as well am a big, strong, beautiful woman. And, and it was something that was hard, especially as a little girl growing up and being completely different than anyone else who was in your family. All my cousins, like my cousins, I can hug them. They fit under my armpits, right? <laughs> All my school, same thing. You know, when I changed school sometimes too, I would, um, I would get bullied a little bit because I would walk into the new class and they would be like, you're older, you're too old. <laughs> Not in the fourth grade. I'm like, no, we're the same age. <laughs> um, so it was really nice to see these women just kicking butt every night. And and I, I still look up to them. I still look up to Beth Phoenix because I think she is an amazing role model. She's an amazing mother. She's come to NXT a few times. We've been able to talk and just seeing her work and perform. It's, it's such a beautiful thing. And I, I really look up to her and admire her for everything that she's done and put on the map for us. I was wondering if you had the opportunity to really kind of tell her this to her face, given she was on commentary for a period of time. She's around frequently. Um, and and if you guys were able to form any little bit of a relationship from that. Yeah, yeah, we definitely were. And, you know, when she was uh, helping out with the first May Young, I had just started at the performance right. center. I was completely starstruck and I did not know how to approach her at that time. But I was so grateful that she came back on as a commentator for NXT because 
then I was able to form a little bit more of a relationship with her and see her every week and kind of talk to her and, and kind of learn from her as well, because she carries herself with such grace. And it's just a beautiful thing to see in the business and as a mm-hmm. woman, just so professional all the time and, and owning her own style. It's, it's amazing to watch. What's so interesting about you mentioning China and Beth Phoenix is unlike some other women throughout WWE's history, they were often out there neck and neck with the men, with their counterparts, not just neck and neck, kicking their asses as well. So I'm kind of wondering if part of that is why it stood out to you, why they stood out to you as well. Oh, definitely. Definitely does. Because uh, I did have more boy cousins than I did girls <laughs> <laughs> when it came to like going to my dad's shows and, and watching and, and, you know, playing wrestling in the backyard as we do. <laughs> of course. Um, it, it's definitely always me versus the boys, but um, I even had an opportunity to kind of work with another gentleman, Boa, um, back mm-hmm. in NXT, and that was a lot of fun to me. That was, it just reminds me that anything is possible, even for you know where we're at currently in 2022 when it comes to women and men and 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 facing each other. So I'm just excited for whatever the future holds because I think there's a lot of possibility there. And I'm looking at you, Angel Garza. <laughs> Cool. They me in the tortilla challenge, but I'm telling you, they will never beat me again. Oh, we are we are getting to that. Trust me, because that that was one of the funniest <laughs> things I've seen in a long time. Uh, before we get to that, uh, looking back on your time at NXT, because you you know, and, and look, you never know, you could come back, make an appearance here and there. But it seems like you have moved on, you know, full time to SmackDown. Uh, is there anything that you wish could have gone differently, or you would have done differently? For example, some fans hoped those tag team title reigns you had lasted a bit longer and, and had some defenses beyond, let's say, one each. Um, you know, is, is that something where you kind of say, man, I would have really liked to sink my teeth into that? Or were there some other things maybe that you wish uh, you had been able to achieve, accomplish, or just experience? Yeah, you know, I I, I don't want to say I fully moved on from NXT because I still watch. I still love to catch up with all of my friends there and make sure that, you know, they're doing good. And like I said, mentally, because it is such a tough and difficult um, position to be in, what, no matter where you are on the card mm-hmm. at this point. Um, there are a few things that I wish like, yeah, I definitely wish our title reigns would have been a little bit longer, but at least Dakota and I can say we were the first ever, True. <laughs> the first two time ever. True. Um, so I've, I've kind of tried and told myself that I'm not going to dwell too much on the what is, you know, what happened has happened. Um, how my story went in NXT is how it was supposed to go. And now I'm at SmackDown and I'm just going to continue to focus on what is next and what's next for the next week. Because if I mm-hmm. keep worrying and dwelling and stuff like that, then I feel like it'll affect my current work. And right now my eye is on the SmackDown Women's Champion. So as much as I, I love NXT and it's my home and it's where I grew up, I'm focusing on SmackDown. Absolutely. So you've experienced some, let's say, changes, more like tweaks, I would say, uh, since joining SmackDown. The name change was one thing, but I was a little surprised that your finisher also got a new label. What exactly happened there? Because look, I am not a Spanish speaker, certainly not natively. I took it in middle school and, and lower school, just like everyone else. In, I live in South Florida, so it comes with it. But I thought <laughs> chingona, from what I understood, was a positive term for Latina women. So what happened there? Like, how did that change? Yeah. Chingona is a very positive term. It means, um, and if you have to believe this, it means bad ASS. Bad no, you can ass. say badass. It's fine. You can say badass. Okay, I wasn't sure. <laughs> it means bad um, and so that's kind of why I kind of clung to it because, you know, there, there's just phrases. And I, I know that every Latin American culture has their different dialects, um, their different slang terms and stuff like that. So this is just coming from me and mine. Right. And she, which I, I tried to get approved in NXT too. You know, we talked to like WWE Mexico. We talked about the name, mm-hmm. um, all the stuff. Chinguana, as long as it's pronounced right, is a good, it's good, powerful oh. term for women. Um, so I think what happened was that maybe someone on the network just misunderstood because 
you can also say chinga or the whole beginning of just chinguana is mm -hmm. also a bad word and it can lead into very bad terms. Got it. So I to avoid any kind of confusion or conflict, they were like, hey, we need to switch this up. We need to give you something that's going to be a little bit easier, understandable. Um, and, and it's just going to be easier for the sponsors in the network or whatever. So again, completely fine. I knew that these tweaks and these changes were going to come with the call up to SmackDown and everything sure. like that. We, we kind of agreed on Tejana because Tejana still represents me. It still represents that I'm born and raised from Texas. I love Texas. I have the red, white, and blue running through my veins with that mm -hmm. Lone Star. Um, so it, it just represents the, the Tex-Mex culture that I am. And that's what I love most about it. Sure. No, I appreciate you clarifying it just because it's, again, as someone who isn't a native speaker, it's very difficult to know how something that sounds pretty cool maybe cannot be in, if it's changed very ever so slightly. So Yeah, ever yeah. so slightly just be misunderstood yeah. and not in a way. So <laughs> no, that makes sense. All the sense in the world. Thank you for the explanation <laughs> there. Uh, so, you know, talking about making an impact on SmackDown, you definitely made what I would say is your first major impact on SmackDown a couple of weeks ago in that match with Ronda Rousey. And I think even though fans know you can obviously be dominant in the ring, they may have been a little surprised to see how strongly you were featured given Ronda's position there. And she kind of sold her butt off for you too. Uh, what was that kind of like? And how did it feel being out there and being able to work that way in such a big spot? Yeah, it was my second match on SmackDown. And to be honest with you, it was maybe my fourth overall because I really only had two dark matches before I was even called up. Gotcha. Um, so I was definitely, I, I still always get so nervous before my matches. And of course, they say that that's a good thing because if you're not getting nervous anymore, then you know, what are you doing it for? Um, but this one in particular, I felt the pressure. And I know I said I love pressure, but this was the kind of pressure where I was just sweating all day. I was nervous. I was calling my dad consistently just to, you know, keep my mind sane and to make sure that I wasn't going off into my own thoughts and losing it. Um, and, and I was very, very grateful to Rhonda, of course, because this is a career changing opportunity that she, she had given me. And, and not only that, but she is such a gracious champion. Like she really wants the WWE universe to see what the entire women's SmackDown roster can do. She wants everyone to know that we are contenders. We haven't just been put in these positions just because mm -hmm. we've been put in these positions because we are superstars. We can fight. We can do everything and anything under the sun that the boys can do. And that's what we're trying to prove is that us as women, we're not just the women wrestlers. We're not just the sideshow. We are the main attraction as well. Mm -hmm. And and Rhonda understands that. I understand that. I think a lot of women in the in the locker room understand that. And so we're all just very gracious that she is willing to put her title on the line every week and give people like me and Shotzi, who just had an amazing showing as well, the she opportunity did. to step out there and show the WWE universe that we can contend. Absolutely. And, and I'm sure your goal, of course, is to be champion of whatever brand you're on SmackDown as of right now. But beyond that, what are you looking forward to experiencing and achieving now that you are on, again, quote, the main roster, SmackDown and Raw? Is it main eventing WrestleMania, winning money in the bank? Like, like what are some of those achievements that you've seen others accomplish over the years that you say that is the goal? I, you know, for Xavier Woods, it was winning King of the Ring. Everyone, it's different. So I'm curious what yours are. Um, I, ha I have so many goals. <laughs> no idea. One, of course, being on a major pay-per-view event. Like I'm, I'm so excited to finally be able up on the roster because I haven't been able to participate in any Royal Rumbles. I haven't participated in right. any um, battle Royals that have happened over the past where they brought NXT girls up. I've kind of just been left back in NXT during these events. So I'm really, really excited to step into the ring and to work with a lot of the raw girls too. You know, I just got called up to SmackDown both my 
Um, dark matches were with SmackDown. So I know the women's SmackDown roster really, really well, but there's a lot of women on the Raw side that I would love to perform with. I would love mm-hmm. to take another shot at Rhea Ripley. I love working with Rhea. I would love to finally step into the ring and touch with Bianca Belair, the EST. I would love to work with Alexa Bliss, Liv Morgan. There's so many amazing, amazing talents throughout the entire WWE roster, and I'm excited to work with them. So aside from also being part of the pay-per-view, sorry, I got sidetracked. No, that's fine. No, you can keep going. <laughs> I, would, um, I would also love to main event. Yeah, I would definitely love to main event at WrestleMania. I finally got the opportunity to main event an NXT TakeOver, which was a huge deal to me. And and knowing that I could do that and pull that off, I, I feel like I have a lot enough confidence in myself to go out there and perform in front of a WrestleMania crowd. And that's that's honestly the goal is to just be on a WrestleMania and be in front of the WrestleMania crowd because that is the grandest stage of them all. And to just take part in that is history writing itself. Awesome. Well, I will get you out of here on this. You already mentioned it. You stole my thunder a little bit, but I saw a video of you earlier this week, or maybe it was late last week, doing a tortilla <laughs> fight with Angel and Umberto. And it looked like so much damn fun. This is nothing that I've even considered in my life. I mean, everyone does the spit take games with water, but not with a tortillas slap fight, which is looks again, like fun as hell. So I'm wondering what the hell else are you guys doing to entertain yourselves on the road backstage? Like, like, is that, is it just with them? Is it a particular relationship with them all, all kind of kicking each other's butts or is it, are there other people involved? No, I mean, definitely. We'd love to involve other people. It's kind of something that honestly, it was just, Friday at SmackDown, we were like, hey, let's do this funny, like, dancing slash hitting video. So I was, you know, standing there with, uh, with Angel Garza, and we were talking. I was like, hey, do you want to be in my video with me? And he's like, yeah. And it, it did so well, and we had so much fun filming it. And then just watching it, too, we were just cracking up the entire day. So when we were on the road look together this weekend as well, I was like, hey, we're all three of us are in this meet and greet. I was like, I kind of want to try this tortilla challenge game. So maybe if it's cool with everyone and cool with, you know, everyone in the meet and greet, we can give them a little fun icebreaker. This being my debut make meet and greet, um, Ben right. being a as well, just because they're they're amazing guys, they're amazing talents, so entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were down with it too. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go get the tortillas. And I went to a burrito <laughs> shop real quick, asked the guy for three tortillas. Mine was broken a little bit, so I feel I saw like that. I- <laughs> you were at a disadvantage. I- you were, you definitely were. I graciously gave them the full tortillas, so I gave them a little bit of an advantage, but also because I was looking forward to it all day, I knew I was gonna lose. I was busting out laughing, just thinking about all the possibilities that could happen with mouths full of water yeah. and slapping. <laughs> it was funny too, because those weren't the, you could tell they weren't like the store-bought crap. Like they were quality. You know what I mean? So those, those, solid. yeah, those hit a little different for sure. No question. Yeah. I was like, these are burrito tortillas. They're meant to hold everything. So exactly. <laughs> it was just too much fun. I mean, it we was. definitely have to do more. We're just trying to figure out what it else it is we want to do. But we have fun. I think the people who are following along with us have so much fun with it. It's just a lighthearted type of video for us to get out there and and interacting more with the fans, really, because that's what it's about. Yeah, no, absolutely. And like I said, it was really fun. And I'll make sure for everyone listening to this, I'll make sure I'll tweet it out so that way you guys get to see it as well. Raquel, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to join us again. You can catch Raquel Rodriguez every Friday on SmackDown live 8 p.m. Eastern on Fox. And we hope we'll see here uh, WWE Money in the Bank premium live event on July 2nd from Las Vegas. Thank you so much for taking the time. So nice to meet you and best of luck. Thank you, Adam. It's so nice to meet you too. I'll talk to you soon. It was so great to speak with Raquel. As you could tell, very thoughtful, detailed answers to, to all of our questions and really giving us a full perspective of what it's like, not just to be in NXT, but 
wait in NXT, wait for that opportunity, wait for that call up that we talk about so frequently to get uh, featured on Raw or SmackDown. And she is someone who certainly was there, was holding that top tier women's position for a long, long period of time without getting that call up while she saw a lot of people around her get receive those opportunities. Uh, and now, of course, Raquel is on SmackDown and after just a couple weeks there, really, um, you know, like I, I said, two and a half months, but there were a lot of vignettes and, and she really just didn't appear on the show until about a month ago in terms of in person um, for her to kind of get that moment with Ronda Rousey. Uh, clearly, the way commentary has been putting over the goal is to make her a big women's star in WWE. I, I, I said women's star, big star, period. Uh, you know, exclamation point uh, in WWE. It does seem clear that they are focused on doing that. And so far, so good is what I can say with Raquel, the hope. And I think we both danced around it a little bit uh, in the interview. The hope is that she does receive one of those money in the bank qualifying opportunities. I would love to see her in that match on her first premium live event, uh, you know, on the main roster. That would certainly be uh, special. And who knows, maybe she even climbs that ladder and ultimately wins the briefcase. But, you know, thank you to Raquel for joining us. Thanks to WWE for the opportunity. I know we have not spoken with that many wrestlers and superstars um, recently. You know, I think our last interview was Swerve. And before that, it had really been an extended period of time. That was due to a combination of things, mostly uh, my life being busy, but also availability. Uh, people that we've wanted to speak with not necessarily being available uh, as of late. But Raquel, hopefully, is the jumping off point to getting a lot more names on this podcast in the near future. Uh, So with that out of the way, let us move to the breakdown this week of NXT. As I said, we're going to talk about the US show first, then I do have a couple NXT UK thoughts uh, to cover, a couple matches I wanted to go over before we get out of here today. So NXT, uh, for me, the star of the show, the MVP this week was Cameron Grimes. Uh, He was depressed walking backstage, won a couple no-names, and then eventually Braun Breaker gave him some sympathy. He said he appreciated it, but he also dismissed it. He wasn't looking for that. Duke Hudson reminded Breaker that he has a win over him. Braun just shrugged at that because it was via disqualification. He said, hey, you know what? Let's just rematch. Let me shut you up. I'll put the title on the line. We'll do that tonight on the show. And obviously that's exactly what Hudson wanted. So we did get the NXT championship match, Breaker against Hudson. Hudson attacked before the bell. Braun hit a quick spear and then a really awkward version of his press power slam. And he beat him in 45 seconds. I was glad at first to see that they went with this and gave Hudson his match, given the way the first one finished. And then I was floored, honestly, that they just squashed him to that degree. This is a guy who has legitimately competed in a bunch of featured matches so far in WWE, and they just had Breaker throw him away like a piece of garbage. It kind of seemed unnecessary to do that. Maybe it's another gimmick change. Maybe there's something else afoot. I don't know. But I was very surprised to see that match end as quickly as it did. Now, Grimes came out after the bell, and he clearly had an attitude, a little bit maybe even of a heel attitude. He said Braun has the title because of his last name. And though Grimes does respect him, he Braun's had a much easier road to the championship than Grimes because everyone knew his dad and no one knew Grimes' dad, who had to look down from heaven when Grimes recently won the North American Championship. Grimes said he has the heartbreaker does not. And he was sick of all the catchphrases, all the bullshit. It was time to strap a rocket and beat him for the title at Great American Bash. This was easily, easily Grimes' best promo since debuting in NXT. It's a rushed build for Bash, which probably makes it clear that Breaker is going to retain the title. But the edge that Grimes showed here 
really bodes nicely for his potential on the main roster. They love guys who are not only great in the ring all the time, but can move back and forth character-wise, not just from babyface to heel, but from comedic babyface to serious heel. Someone that has that kind of range. Someone like a Dolph Ziggler. Cameron Grimes is very much in that mold, and that speaks to not only him continuing to be successful in NXT, but hopefully WWE gets to see that on a larger scale, and we do see him on Raw or SmackDown soon. Uh, we had a tag team championship match. The Creed brothers defended against Malik Blade and Idris Anofe. This opened the show. There were no entrances. It just started right in the ring with good action and good energy both ways. Anofe hit a strange-looking flying elbow drop for a broken fall. Julius ran through the challengers on a hot tag. Blade got one as well, but Julius caught his flying crossbody, rolling him into his signature slam before Brutus hit the basement lariat to retain the titles in 14 minutes. The Creeds picked up the challengers after the bell, dapped them up. Julius also appeared to get busted open hard way on his head at some point during the match. This was a little bit sloppier than I would have liked, but these guys are all still learning. It was a solid enough first defense for the Creeds, and both Anofe and Blade, but definitely Anofe, we've been talking about this many times. They really got a chance to shine out there, and Anofe does seem like someone who can be a legit singles main roster talent. Uh, Anofe and Blade later in the show were ready to go to the club. Uh, after their loss, basically to drown their sorrows is what I took out of it. When Grimes stopped them cold, saying they just lost a championship match, what are they celebrating for? Uh, Anofe assumed they'd get another chance when Grimes reminded them they had to bust their asses for this one and that nothing is guaranteed in WWE. He criticized them for considering leaving before the show is over to get to the club, saying that Anofe has got the looks, he's got the athleticism, he can be a star, but he's not hungry. Grimes said he doesn't want Anofe to waste his talent because Grimes won't waste his. I said earlier that Grimes cut his best NXT promo to date. That was true. This was maybe his best backstage segment to date. Grimes absolutely crushed his appearance here uh, on the show, top to bottom. Uh, the more serious character, it really suits him well. And the gimmick, along with everything he said to Anofe, it was right on. I loved it. It was spot on. Definitely want to see more of this version of the Grimes character. Sticking with the Diamond Mine stuff, Ivy Nile told Tatum Paxley she was proud of the way she's been progressing. Roderick Strong asked what she's doing and why she's basically making excuses for others who are losers. The Creeds walked up and Strong immediately criticized them for the post-match handshake. Brutus said okay and that Strong was right. And Julius told Strong he got him and Damon Kemp a match next week. Strong first complained about his ankle, but then was reminded that there's no excuses in Diamond Mine. So he got pumped up with Kemp. Uh, this was just a bit, a bit odd to be honest. Um, not a huge deal. I'm still curious to see where they're going with this whole thing, what it means for Strong's future in NXT or even elsewhere. But as of right now, it's kind of like the same thing every week. And I, I'm just not exactly sure what the point of it is going to be. Uh, Toxic Attraction fought Indy Hartwell, Cora Jade, and Roxanne Perez in a six-woman tag team match in the main event. Cora and Roxanne backstage were making inside jokes when Indy showed that she was depressed having lost her best friend. Uh, calling them inexperienced and naive. They all agreed, though, that Toxic deserved the beating. And then Toxic later said they would prove their dominance and just show why they're the best in the company. Toxic distracted the referee, so he missed what would have been a legal tag for Indy. Perez eventually got the hot tag. Indy took exception to Mandy's shot at her and went after her inside and outside the ring. Jade had a flying senton on Gigi Dolan before tagging in Roxanne, who scored the 1-2-3. This match was either cut or edited or the finish was rushed because Dolan definitely got hurt uh, in the finish. I think the senton probably knocked the wind out of her. That's just a guess. Uh, this was a taped show. Uh, also, 
I think reports were that Gigi Dolan was working the house shows and live events and, and doing other things for WWE recently. So clearly, if she was injured, she wasn't injured that badly. But you could tell the crowd was kind of noticeably dead for the moment. Commentary even sounded a little bit like it was dubbed. And when Gigi uh, got landed on by Roxanne, there was like a, a or like Cora, I'm sorry, when Cora landed on her, uh, there was like a loud, audible noise that she made. So it did certainly seem... Um, like she did get hurt in this spot. It was strange on the show that there was no mention really of Roxanne's title contract just one week after she won the breakout tournament. It was almost as if it never happened. I mean, there's a chance it was briefly mentioned, but normally the show after a big contract win like that, there's a big segment about who is she going to challenge? What's she going to do? Maybe they're not doing it because it's only Mandy Rose. But to me, Indy Hartwell is clearly being positioned as the foil for Rose and possibly the one to take the title off of her with Roxanne and Cora really becoming a tag team. They started running the friendship storyline after Roxanne had already started in the breakout tournament and they would be foils for Dolan and JC Jane. So look, I proposed last week that I can see a situation where they have her use it for a tag team title challenge, but that just feels wrong to win an individual contract and use it for a team situation. But maybe that's what they're going to do. And that's why this is done the way it is. Uh, they also had a segment that was the promotion of stacks and two dimes by Tony D'Angelo. This was held in the ring with Legato del Fantasma watching from the corner. D'Angelo said they've stepped up big and have been promoted from associates to soldiers. He rewarded them with new watches and cash as Legato looked at their own watches and shrugged because they thought theirs were nicer. D'Angelo told Legato about the code of silence and shook their hands with Santos Escobar being last and doing so reluctantly. D'Angelo said he has the strongest family in NXT, and he wants the A championship to go with it. That brought out Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams. Carmelo told D'Angelo to watch his mouth. D'Angelo said he and the title are now his business and that he may be great, but Melo is not the Don. D'Angelo challenged for next week and Melo accepted. The family then suggested a tag team match, which also got accepted. So he had Melo and Trick against Stax and Two Dimes. Cruz del Toro accidentally hit a springboard splash on his own guy with the referee's back turned. Trick then tagged in Mello for the flying leg drop and the win. Backstage, D'Angelo reminded Legato that they're at the bottom of the family and they stormed off. None of this was particularly noteworthy. It felt like total filler. The real story here is that WWE actually released Troy Donovan, who is two dimes, on Saturday or Sunday, and he confirmed that release himself. Yet, they had to run this segment anyway because they taped two extra weeks of NXT last week and they had to explain this match and, of course, the storyline next week. The show is not live again until June 28th. So they were kind of caught between a rock and a hard place here. The specific reason for Donovan's release was not given, but it does seem like a situation where he violated WWE policy. That's kind of the way it has been uh, phrased. Reports are he may be welcomed back in a year or so. So, you know, we're not going to speculate exactly which policy he may have violated, but I do think that makes it pretty clear. It seems like it was a mistake. Donovan said it was his fault and a mistake. So... You know, the guy does have potential. He does have a little bit of talent that we've seen so far on television. Uh, So, of course, it's unfortunate that he's directly involved in a pretty major storyline, I would say, on NXT right now. But it is going to be curious and interesting to see how WWE writes him off. Do they have it be where this guy disappears and Legato's blamed for it? Does Tony bring in another dude? I don't know exactly what they're going to do, but I am curious to see the way... NXT kind of writes around this. And and we've seen what Shawn Michaels and his team have had to write around recently with unexpected call-ups and releases and all this type of stuff. So the fact that they have multiple weeks to do it 
makes me think that they will figure out something positive. Uh, Solo Sokoa said backstage he was still focused on the North American Championship. Grayson Waller interrupted, saying Apollo Crews carried Sokoa in their tag team match. Sokoa challenged him one-on-one next week. Waller reluctantly agreed, and this was just good stuff from both of them. Quick backstage segment. Apollo Crews was shown at a diner writing his diary. He wrote that he had a lot of success in WWE, but heard the echoes of NXT taunting him. Last week, he said it was a rush for him, and the door back to NXT opened up to fill a blank spot in his career. And then a dude was loudly complaining to a waitress in the background, and Cruz had a dream of getting up and knocking the guy out. And then he came to, and it was reality, and he got up and knocked the guy out. It was candidly one of the strangest vignettes I can remember. I liked where they were going with the story, but the other element was totally unnecessary. Is he supposed to be someone who stands up for low-wage workers? I mean, that's topical, but it's hardly a gimmick. So I don't exactly know what they were doing here, but I think everyone who watched it kind of agreed. Like, it wasn't bad because the first half of it was kind of cool and made some sense, but the second half was just so odd and inexplicable that you were kind of left looking at the screen like, what the hell was that? So we'll see how they follow up on it. Uh, I assume they're going to have vignettes maybe for the next two weeks with Cruz before he gets a match on the 29th. Maybe not. I don't know. But if there's more of this, they should pull them and they really need to rethink this entire thing. Tiffany Stratton fought Fallon Henley. Wendy Chu bounced on a ball behind Stratton during her entrance that she couldn't see. Stratton smacked Henley, who returned it with such a loud slap. The crowd literally jumped to its feet. And I'm not sure I've seen a reaction to a slap like that from someone other than Gunther. Honestly, like, I love when a crowd reacts to the sound or the impact of a single move, and it was a really cool moment in their match. Stratton hit her kneeling springboard senton, then did an inventive spider-style submission hold, kind of torquing Henley's neck and spine. I haven't really seen that before. I'm sure it's been done, but I haven't seen it. Stratton then hit a toss Samoan drop and a kip-up when Wendy bounced her way down to the ring and threw confetti in her face. Henley won with an inside cradle. It was a fine match with that standout moment I mentioned, but otherwise, just the continuation of the Stratton Chu feud. Uh, it was a good moment for Henley, though. She doesn't get many wins. Wesley fought Zion Quinn. Lee still had anger in his eyes during his entrance and at the bell. He nearly caught Quinn right away, but got hung up on the ropes before doing a really cool flip off of the ropes when he got flung backwards. Quinn tossed him back and forth. Lee avoided a charge and then hit a double somersault Pele kick. Plus, I don't even know how to describe it, a corkscrew torneo type of splash to get the win in three minutes. This was just a really curious piece of booking. I'm glad they didn't throw him out there just to get beat by Quinn, but at the same time, it felt strange for Lee to beat a guy with Quinn's size and previously showcased ability. I mean, this guy went toe-to-toe with Santos Escobar in three minutes. This is just like a wait-and-see situation for me at this point because I have no clue exactly what they are trying to do with Wesley. It is not clear. Is he an underdog? Is he... Someone who has anger issues? Is he trying to find himself? What are his goals? I just, I am really not clear about the Wesley character. And then Sarav was macking with some ladies backstage when Quinn walked by. He flung a snide comment at Quinn, who stepped to him, but then walked away when Sarav stood up. So that's clearly the next feud for both of them. I really like the way that WWE, in this case, NXT, I should say, is kind of countering stereotype with Sarav in the exact way they are not countering stereotype um, with Veer Mahan over on Raw. I mean, this is the character 
that Veer Mahan should have. I've said it probably ad nauseum at this point, at least half a dozen times. They're wasting Veer and Sarav. They're actually doing something with him. So it's kind of interesting. Uh, Giovanni Vinci made his debut in a, a re-debut, I would call it, in a match against Guru Raj. The former Fabian Eichner made his way to the ring. And as he did, he was captured with four different photos titled Vinny Vidi Vici. It's like they were showing off his good looks, but the labels under each photo, Vinny, I came, Vidi, I saw, Vici, I conquered, didn't exactly make sense. Like it would be one thing if they were labels that said handsome, you know, debonair, you know, whatever the case like to describe him. But I don't know. It just, it's like they used a, a rich Italian gimmick mixed with a modeling gimmick. And I don't exactly know what the point of the entire thing is. It actually seemed like the perfect character to be the first client for Max Dupree on SmackDown with maximum male models. Like this was the perfect type of guy. You've given him a new look. I think he got either veneers or he whitened his teeth. He has a really nicely trimmed beard. Um, and he's a good looking dude. This is a male model. This is the perfect person to be in that group. And yet he's just standing on his own in NXT. Uh, Vinci obviously dominated. He had a really great last ride sit down powerbomb as a finisher to get the win. Uh, there was no mention that he was previously Eichner, but he looked great both in general and in the ring. The crowd gave him an awesome response. It was a strong enough re-debut, I would say, and definitely a positive repackage overall on first look. There's one thing that you could definitely say about Fabian Eichner, and it was there was no character there. He was just a badass dude who beat the shit out of people. And you know what? That's okay. But there's also something to be said for giving a, a person like that a little bit of a gimmick tweak. You saw it with Cesaro. They did the James Bond thing, the Swiss Superman thing. Doing this for Eichner, it definitely works. And I hate to just consistently compare him to Cesaro, but he really could be the new age Cesaro for WWE, unless, of course, Cesaro comes back, which we have no idea what he's going to do. So there's a lot of potential in Eichner, in, in Vinci, and this was a good re-debut, no doubt about it. Uh, the Dyad fought Dante Chen and Javier Bernal. The Velvet Maroon Druids uh, remained cloaked after the bell. They tagged by sliding their hands together in a very strange way. Chen and Bernal did get a good amount of offense on them, but the Dyad obviously won with a very basic assisted elevated DDT. Joe Gacy after the bell said, fans make them feel inferior when they should feel superior. It was his very typical promo. Uh, there was no reveal. This just it remains absolutely terrible in every possible way. I, I try to find something redeeming in everything, but there's nothing redeeming here. And I will tell you, I said it last week, if this team is indeed Grizzled Young Veterans as a repackage, it would be even more depressing and even worse. Like that, that was a great team. I don't know that this is them. The heights don't seem to match up, but maybe I'm missing something. But man, like, I'm just very pessimistic about this entire thing. And, and before that even potentially happens, this is already a 0.0. 0. 0.0. 0.0. 0. 0. 0.0, Nathan Frazier got a package with footage of his youth in Jersey in the Channel Islands. He said he dreamed of wrestling or playing football. And though he had tryouts with professional clubs, he always wanted to be in WWE. It was showcased as the first part of a series. And I thought it was a good enough start to help us learn a little bit about him. Lash Legend cut a taped promo about being a world-class athlete in multiple sports, including track and field and basketball. 
She put herself over for breaking the NCAA's single game record for rebounds in a game with 27, scoring 30 points in an Elite Eight game and getting drafted by the WNBA. All of those, by the way, are true. She also basically said, Alba Fire ain't shit <laughs> ahead of their match next week. Uh, this was probably the single best talking segment Lash has done since debuting. It, it actually made me care about her far more than that talk show bullshit. They do need to change her name. Lash Legend is a terrible name. But other than that, I was kind of buying into her a little bit here. So that was good to see. Nikita Lyons also cut a taped promo about her partially torn MCL sidelining her from the NXT breakout tournament. She said the obstacle has only made her hungrier and she's training like an animal. The graphic said she would be returning soon. That'd be pretty impressive if she got back that quickly. And finally, Mr. Stone and Sophia Cromwell basically guaranteed in an interview that Von Wagner would beat Brooks Jensen next week. Cromwell said everyone but Wagner and Jensen will be barred from ringside, which will allow Wagner to showcase his dominance. So yeah, that um, wraps that up. And certainly Von Wagner, Brooks Jensen is not a match that I am tuning into NXT for. However, uh, we do have a North American title match and some other stuff next week that should make for an exciting addition of NXT. You could tell this was a taped show. There were a lot of video packages, vignettes, and kind of little promos and things like that. It was overall top to bottom an entertaining show. I don't know that it accomplished that much other than really showcasing Cameron Grimes and his new gimmick, which was exciting to see him be able to make that change. And it made sense to it. It was so fluid. It didn't feel forced in any way. He is a legitimately good character actor. And as I said earlier in the show, that bodes well for him, not just in NXT, but throughout what hopefully is a long career in WWE. Now, before we get out of here today, uh, I was I received some messages um, from listeners that requested that I watch the NXT UK Women's Championship match between Mako Satomura and Ivy Nile. So I did go ahead and do that, but I also rewound back about three or four weeks and watched the NXT UK Championship match between Isla Dragunov and Jordan Devlin, which was a loser leaves town match. So I want to break down these matches for you, provide a couple thoughts, and then we can kind of call it a show. So let's first talk about the women's championship match, which was last week, Satomura against Nile. This started well with some surprising mat wrestling from Nile. Ivy reversed Mako's crossbody, rolling into a fallaway slam before using her body as a base for a push-up. They traded huge kicks for a while. Satomura caught Nile running with a huge kick to the head, plus a DDT and flipping knee strike for a false finish. Nile fell off Satomura's shoulders and got her in the choke lock finisher, but Satomura flipped her over, catching Ivy's shoulders on the canvas for the one, two, three in 10 minutes and 30 seconds. They shook hands, hugged, and bowed to each other after the bell. This was a really fun match. It definitely exceeded my expectations. The submission counter was a really smart way to keep Nile strong while allowing Satomura's experience to be the difference in the match. It was easily the best match of Ivy's career to this point, which is no surprise because she's super young. And Maiko is, of course, amazing. She's one of the best women's wrestlers and an absolute legend. I went 3.75 stars and a B plus for the match. Really good wrestling, good storytelling, smart finish. Can't ask for more out of a match like this. Satomura is apparently having like an all-time final boss run with the NXT UK Women's Championship after she defeated Kaylee Ray for it. That feud between Satomura and Kaylee Ray was fantastic. Now that I have watched this Nile match, I'm going to go back and watch a couple more of Satomura's defenses. I think she had a match with Isla Dawn that had a weird stipulation. I'm going to go watch that, a couple others, but I am going to start diving back into NXT UK. I really just hate that I lost my way and I stopped watching it. It was purely a time thing when it airs. I've been super busy recently. 
Um, but I do need to go see more of her reign because I love her as a wrestler. So let's also now go back, like I said, three weeks, four weeks, whatever it was, and talk about this NXT UK championship match, Isla Dragunov against Jordan Devlin. Uh, this match was from episode 200 of NXT UK, and it had a loser leaves town stipulation, as I mentioned. Devlin took Dragunov out with an insane brain buster on the top turnbuckle, which I have never, ever seen before, straight up. Devlin then caught him with a super impressive standing Spanish fly off of a clothesline. Dragunov hit a German suplex and then a gotch-style German for a near fall. Devlin dodged Dragunov into the middle turnbuckle and hit his Devin, Devlin slide finisher, uh, with the referee counting one, two, three as Dragunov's foot found the bottom rope. Devlin started celebrating with the title, but the match got restarted by Johnny Saint, who is the general manager over there. Devlin went for another finisher, but Isla countered with a headbutt. Devlin then caught him running with a huge Canadian destroyer plus a brain buster for a 2.9 false finish. Dragunov avoided a 450 splash, ran a headbutt into the back of Devlin's skull, added a German suplex, and hit Torpedo Moscow to retain the title in 15 minutes. This was a banger. It was on its way to being an A-plus match. Before the restart, that slowed things down. It did continue a strong reign for Dragunov, and it did open the door for Devlin to presumably move to the United States. I ended up going 4.5 stars and an A, largely for the inventiveness of both guys. It really is a must-watch match. But 15 minutes, it probably could have been 20. The restart slowed it down. I would have liked more to have happened after the restart to really make it feel like almost it was a second match within a match. Uh, One of the reasons I broke down these matches was just a reminder kind of to some of you that NXT UK is indeed worth a watch when time allows. There's been some exceptional wrestling that has fallen well under the radar. And that's largely my fault as well, at least for this listening audience, because after catching these, I definitely regret having stopped watching it. And I do plan to pay closer attention, at least for the big matches and storylines going forward. I don't know that I'm going to watch every episode, but I certainly will pay attention to when there's title matches and rivalry matches and certainly matches that you guys tell me are super entertaining. And I will go, I will watch them and I will break them down on this show. And that is really it for this edition of the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. We did jam pack a ton into today's show. Again, I really want to thank Raquel Rodriguez for joining us for the very first time. Had a great conversation with her. Of course, we broke down NXT and NXT UK. As far as what is coming up here on Getting Over, we will be back on Thursday with a full breakdown of AEW Dynamite, Rampage, and of course, NJPW Dominion. We're not going to break down every match, but a couple key matches that certainly pertain to Forbidden Door, but are also just important for the world of New Japan pro wrestling. And then, of course, we will be back next Tuesday with our next WWE episode covering everything that goes down across SmackDown and Raw. Do not forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. And please remember that this podcast... So head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave a five-star rating on Apple. Also leave a review. Tell people why you listen and why you subscribe and why they should. As well, those ratings, those reviews, they always help us so, so much. Once again, thank you all for listening to this edition of the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. We will be back Thursday with that AEW NJPW show and then again on Tuesday with the WWE show. But for now, the Silver King is going to leave you with just three final words. Bye for now. <laughs>